You're listening to Both Sides of the Mask. Umpires getting together to talk what it's like on both sides of their mask. Creating a fun atmosphere for anyone who can relate to sports, life, and officiating. All right, everybody, welcome back to Both Sides of the Mask. We are so glad that you decided to join us for this episode. We're pretty excited about the guest that we have on today. It's been a little bit since we've had a guest on. The last one was just you and I, and then I think we had a week off before that or two weeks off or something, kind of getting everything back in the works with our family and everything under control. Uh, Amanda had a birthday this week, so that's been awesome. Happy birthday to my wife. Happy belated birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah. Thank you, ladies. It was awesome. Um, we went out to her parents' house and uh, had her birthday party out there uh, with her brother's girlfriend. And um, it was a good time. We hung out, did some um, tacos, homemade tortillas, some corn and flour. So that was pretty sweet. And then um, no horse riding last weekend, but this weekend we have Friday and Saturday. So kind of a couple play days, but they're going to be doing some performance drill team stuff. So that's going to be pretty awesome. Liz, how you been? Not doing pretty good. The chaos is about to end after this weekend. So we'll see how that goes this weekend. Natalie and I will be traveling to Indianapolis, not the state of Indianapolis. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's a little joke that we have from before because I messed up my verbiage. Yeah. Go back and listen to the episode. I think it's Sweet tea and purple gloves, and you Sweet can hear about all gloves. the state of Indianapolis. <laughs> Such a <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, but she's in a showcase this weekend in the top 100. This is their first time being in a, a pretty big tournament, and she's in her second year of 14U. So we leave Friday, so they play Saturday and Sunday. Caitlin's last weekend of soccer, they end in their tournament this weekend. This will actually be her last weekend with this club. She's going to be moving on to better, to a better structure after this fall season. So it's been a little stressful in that part, but this will be a good, good little addition for her after this. She'll end a, a career with Canton United for five years. She's with this club for five years. So, wow. So she'll end her tournament, have a few weeks off, and then go from there. So like I said, the last few weeks, uh, uh, Tony, you and I have talked, is that just been a little chaos with getting back to school. I know you you understand that, but trying to get back into the, the swing of things. Natalie is back into school full-time this week, but then next week she goes back to hybrid. Caitlin started off full-time, and then her school decided to go hybrid because they had a couple cases at the high school level where there was a couple faculty, staff members, and some students that end up getting the covid and then they had to cancel the rest of the football season because some of the football players end up catching some of that and ruin their chances for a postseason. So that's been that's been interesting trying to handle. But other than that, we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, the month of November won't be as busy. It's never never ending when it comes to having two children involved in sports and having two children just in general trying to figure out how they're going to handle a hybrid versus a full-time versus a virtual versus whatever else they're going to start doing. Maybe they'll start doing sign language for school. I just like how you call it the Rona, like the Ohio state. The, that's right. The, <laughs> the COVID. The COVID. That's what you know. Let me start making t-shirts. The COVID. 
Springfield is actually supposed to be deciding either they decided this week and letting us know this weekend or something along those lines if the students here are going to be going back to full time, which is just crazy. You move a few states over and we're talking about going to full time and you're going to hybrid. And uh, so they're going to decide and it'd be like K through third will come back at a cer certain point and then they'll bring back fourth and fifth or fourth through sixth. And then it's going to go all the way to eighth grade. But the secondary education, freshman through senior, they'll stay the situation that they are because they have had more positive cases than any other age group that's been in the school system. So, no, oh, geez, been a little bit frustrating on doing that. And I know your daughter switching teams. I'm curious too, Liz, you know, you're doing soccer and softball stuff. How is it shown between the coaching of those teams? Are you seeing more of those coaches that can really coach through a pandemic through virtual type of sessions or true colors come out the way that coaches may handle stress when the students or the kids do come back to the team and things like that? I know from this past spring when everything got shut down that Natalie's head coach kind of went into a panic because she's one of those types that where she's more blue collar, hands on. She likes the hands on training. She does pitching instructions. So everything has got to be right in front of her face. And when she had to do virtual, it was a whole nother animal for her and a new training facility for her. So that, that was a, a little trialing, but with soccer, I kind of like what they did is that they realized that these kids were putting on a lot of stress on themselves, just trying to make it to trainings a few times a week, doing games throughout the week or on the weekends, maybe a couple uh, showcases or tournaments. And they allowed them some time off and then they sent them some virtual training where it was pre-recorded and they sent them some PDF files where they can hold themselves accountable with their own trainings throughout the week. So that was kind of nice what they did. And then when they were able to step back on the field with, they had them in sections or they, they had it in COVID section one where they can have trainings, but only certain mm -hmm. kids can be like, so only a certain number and then they had a stage two, then a stage three, and then whatever Ohio decided to decide to do, making it to where they can participate. It, it seemed like the transition went very smooth with the soccer organization. Now, softball was totally different. And our special guest that's going to be on will probably chime in a little bit, a little bit later about this, because I don't think there really was any stages with, with softball, because both my kids participating in the sports. They had first threatened that they all had to wear masks, even the umpires, even the spectators, like everybody had to wear a mask. Everyone had to be social distancing, no high-fiving, no, no chewing gum, no seeds, obviously no tobacco, which you, know, you can ask any gentleman that participated in coaching or in the spectator world that they were still doing that. But we didn't see as many stipulations when it came to following the guidelines. Soccer was a little different, and I can't speak for all sports, but the coaches still had to wear masks on the sidelines. Kids still had to wear masks on the sidelines. Uh, referees had an option, but if they were on a break or during the halftime, they had to wear a mask. So there, there was like different regulations based on conferences, based on uh, formalities, like what, you know, what, they, what they had to follow through. and kind of like went a little over and above and extended on that part, but no, but it, it does, t but it does tie in with like with the question you asked about like, you know, the, the difference, how they're able to handle it with the stress. I think it was just very well 
well thought out. It might, it might have been a little over the top, but the, you know, they, the organizations with the soccer federations, they really did a good job of following it. So that way, when they were cleared to participate, everything just went right into it smoothly without any, any hesitation, if that makes any sense. I picked up on another thing. It was the COVID and it was the halftime. <laughs> so it's something that Ohio <laughs> State has started with all of the residents of Ohio. <laughs> but I think it's a good point to bring us into talking about the pandemic and working through a pandemic. But there's some other situation that people come along. And I know I've come along with my life of moving from one place to another, but I haven't ever really done it in a setting of moving a business or creating a new business when I got there or moving my career of umpiring halfway across the country. The guest that we have today comes from the Southern California area, and she is part of an organization that we've talked a little bit about with Jim Sanderson, and he had actually taken over her position when she left uh, California. But it's just an organization that I am jealous of their training tactics, and she's kind of been helping us get it started here, and then the COVID got in the way <laughs> and some of that had to slow down, but she's also a part of another organization that we've talked about. And that's the WBSC, the world baseball and softball confederations. So we've explained a little bit about it, but I want to see it from her viewpoint of being inside of it and what it's done for her softball career. Has she ever had a plate meeting where she was the only one that spoke English at it? I just looked this up and I want to read what uh, the WBSC does for softball umpires. And this is what it says. It aims to identify, train, and assess umpires across the globe in order to improve the quality and consistency of officiating throughout the game of softball. And I think we're all trying to get that. The WBSC strives to promote better communications between umpires, coaches, and staff to be able to provide consistency in the interpretation of the official softball rules. And I think that's really good. And the communication between the umpires and coaches and all the staff goes beyond just reading it in your language, but communicating it and being able to communicate that in different languages. Or I know they say, hey, don't use body gestures on the field, but that may turn into where you have to use body gestures. So maybe we'll get in that a little bit. But Mindy Vila, welcome to both sides of the mask. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so awesome. I found out about you. And I think I've told you this story. I was at uh, a local D1 school here in Missouri State and they said, hey, can you come up in the press box? And this is a fall, whatever. And that's where the staff person was that was going to unlock the door from where I needed change. And she's like, hey, there's another Division One umpire that's in Springfield. And I was like, no, there's not. There's there's not a, there's not another one. She goes, oh, no, he's just, just moved here. And I was like, I, I know all the umpires. Oh, yeah, she's been here for about a year. And I was like, I, I think a year is stretching it. They say your name and I was like, oh, well, I've heard the name, but I don't know anything about you. And yeah, she said, uh, they say that she's on Sally's roster. And I was like, okay, well, let me just scroll through the names. I was scrolling through it and I was like, oh, that's across town. Okay, well, I'll give her, I'll shoot her a text message and we'll get connected. And that's how I found out and got connected with, with you, uh, Mindy. So glad you did too, because your name had come up too. And I was like, but you're listed as an Anthony and I didn't. I didn't follow through. I didn't go searching like you did. I had just 
heard about you. And next thing I know, I got a call from you. I was like, oh, awesome. Yeah. Or text. I couldn't remember which one. I was very thankful that you reached out. It's hard moving across the country just in general of picking up your life and trying to move it uh, into a different area. How did all that work out for you and, and the Missouri to Southern California and then California back to Missouri? I know that part of it. You started out here a little bit. Is this where you kind of grew up in Missouri? No, actually, I grew up in Southern California um, in a town just west of L.A., so West Covina area. So when I was in my uh, early 20s, I got a wild hair and just said I wanted to move out of California. And uh, I did. And I lived out here for about four years. And I absolutely loved it. I said, I'm not going back to California. I just loved the culture. I loved the country. I just thought it was amazing out here. And then my dad got sick. So I did start umpiring out here. Uh, a little bit of slow pitch. I started with some rec ball, fast pitch. Somebody said, hey, you played? I said, yeah. So they said, oh, well, you can umpire then. <laughs> and we know how that world is. It's a whole lot different. Um, but then I moved back to California. My dad got sick with cancer. And he passed away a year after that. So I think that was 99. And I was there for another 20-something years. Just uh, met my husband. We got married and he had, in the course of time, we visited my friends back here. I guess it was just the culture of the fast pace. And my husband was being called out uh, on his job constantly. And we were working ourselves to death. I mean, I mean, really, he would come get off work and be almost home and they'd call him back out and he'd mm. work overnight and then he'd work the next morning. So... We kind of came to the realization he loved it out here. I have a little rental house out here that is now where we're living. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of just like a easy move. We're just like, okay, we're going to do this. We're done with it here. So fast paced. If I'm going to kill myself, am I going to work this hard? I'm going to do it for myself. So we came to that realization. And probably the year before I had started talking with Sally and had done a, a few games for her. And she said, hey, that'd be a perfect move for you. You're right centrally located for my conferences. So it's kind of a win-win for us. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love how she shares umpires with Joanne. Joanne being the, the main assigner for high-level ball out in California. And she shares her umpires over here and, and makes that community of umpires be part of her, what she has going on here in, in the central part of the states and then also on the east coast more with the with the big 10 i just love the way that um she does that yeah yeah that's that's funny to think about the fast-paced life and, and figuring out hey you know i gotta live for me and i think the sooner that you can find that out in your life that hey it, it's it's what i need for me i don't need all the bells and whistles in my life i don't need this big, extravagant, marble-floored house. I just need somewhere to lay my head so that I can get up and enjoy the next day. That's, that's cool. And, and that's what I've always kind of liked about Missouri and the Ozarks and go down and hike in Arkansas. It's just the beauty that's kind of all around you. And then if you need to get to a bigger city and you want to do that city life, Springfield's you know a decent size, but Tulsa's not that far away, Kansas City, 
St. Louis is not that far away. And then you can get your fix on the buildings and go honk at people in traffic if that's what you feel like you need to do. <laughs> we haven't found that we need that yet. <laughs> I don't think anybody really does. I don't know that we have been assigned together yet as far as through Sally, but I know that you and Liz got to work together this year. And it was the first kind of meeting of the Ohio girl with the California girl. How was that experience for you, Liz? Yeah, so I've heard so many great things about you, Mindy, from other USA umpires and especially some West Coast umpires that I've had experience with. And when we saw the schedule for our short-lived 2020 spring season, we worked together at Oklahoma for their early season tournaments. So, I mean, you, you could say otherwise, but I had a lot of fun that weekend, especially with uh, the crew that we had and being able to work with you on the field and just seeing the legendary Mindy Vila out there. I thought it was a lot of fun. But, um, you know, with my short-term experience that I have and just being able to capture some things that working with you, watching like how you handle yourself, your presence, how you handle the coaches. That's what I really loved about just watching you and getting to know you a little bit more. Not, tr not trying to, you know, suck up to you or anything. <laughs> I'm just saying in general. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. <laughs> Sounds like you're not. You know what, Tony? <laughs> I know when I first found out about Mindy that she was in the area, I called another WBSC umpire and said, hey, what do you know about uh, a Mindy Vila? And he's like, dude, you want to talk about a powerhouse on the field, a bulldog, and we'll get stuff done and not going to take crap? That's your girl. <laughs> he's like, I think you guys are going to get along. She reminds me, you know, a lot of you in the way that you handle yourself. And I think it's a, a calm and cool confidence that you have, Mindy. So that's the word that, that gets passed around about you. My goodness. Mike Burwell. Is, Burwell. Said, yeah. Yeah. It was Burwell. Yep. <laughs> yep. He's a sweetheart. Yeah. Uh, I do not think of myself as that way, but it's very nice and flattering that others say those things. How we see ourselves on the field and then how others see us on the field and the way that we really end up portraying ourselves, And it's nice to hear that as well, that, you know, what I'm trying to accomplish out there is getting done because that's what we're all trying to do is to show how it's supposed to be done, do it the right way to teach the younger crowd that's coming along. And Southern California umpires are probably some of the best trained umpires. Yes, they get to work 12 months, maybe even 13 months out of the year. but. <laughs> <laughs> no joke there. <laughs> so we've talked a little bit about it, about the training that happens in Southern California and the way that that moves along. But the CCSUA, the California Collegiate Softball Umpire Association, and the training that happens there, what is different? What sets them apart? Why is it, why is it so different in California? Is it just the warm weather? Is it something that they're doing you know, having people come out to observe games and train different, what's, what makes it different? We do have observers. That's a big component of Joanne's model. She wants to have an observer at every one of your D1 games. So you'll have a tournament and you'll have uh, Sue Sawyer or Jim Sanderson, or there's an endless amount, depending on where your game is located, then they'll have an observer assigned to you. But as crew chiefs, you'll have your game notes. You'll go over those. And then the observers are there to add add to what you as a crew come up with and what they've seen that we may not have 
you know, it's, it's different when you're on the field. There's only so much you catch. So it's nice to have that outside view and not a biased view. You know, as your crew, you're trying to kind of keep the crew together and you do have an observer. They're on a good side of things. They're not against you by any means, but they're there to train, help get to that next level, um, take you where you're at. So if you're a newer umpire coming in, they'll key in on certain things and kind of grow you. And if you're an experienced umpire, they'll then fine tune these little things that you need to work on, which are huge. You know, we sometimes don't get that in other areas, other associations Mm -hmm. around the States. Are they just using this for Pac-12 games? Are you having a signer at all games that Joanne or who else would be assigning? Pretty much all of like Big West, Pac, any of Joanne's D1 games, you're going to have an observer there. Yeah, and it's like our training site includes the following news and notes, informative articles on mechanics, rules, game management, professionalism, video clips, voice with voiceovers, yep. tips on how to handle challenging situations, monthly tests, rules, interpretations, and action photos. That's what I like. I like action photos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it's cool to see the way that we work together and how we're going to handle these situations. You can either be on the field and learn it. You can learn it by seeing somebody else do it right or screw it up or being able to ask that umpire of, Hey, Mindy, you had this situation in this game and the coach came up. What did you say to them? How did you handle that situation? Right. So you mentioned some pretty big names there. We did have Jim Saunderson on earlier. He was actually one of our first interviews that we've had, but Sue Sawyer, who I absolutely adored when I used to come out to Palm Springs for the early season tournaments. But I love how innovative that they have become, not the last two I just mentioned, but just like in general, the CCSUA, is that how you pronounce it? Yep. I'm going to make sure I got all the (laughs) the letters letters of the alphabet. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) but no, I think it's been innovative because I think just from how the other coordinators, not just in the Power Five, but how they're presenting to the mid-majors and others, and just in general of like what our direction is with the collegiate level is how we're trying to better our studying, better our community. And, you know, Tony's a, a big nerd when it comes to video and editing. And I think that's definitely going to be something in our future with training. But Mindy, I do want to kind of take a step back. I know you mentioned a little bit like, you know, you started umpiring in California. Was that correct? Uh, actually started first out here. In Missouri. Okay. Yeah. Then I moved back there and that's where the training really kicked in. Well, I'm going to take a step back. So China's take us through like a little timeline. How did you get started? And then how'd you get involved in ASA, which is now USA softball? And tell us a little bit of like, it's time to, time to boost you up. What's going to hear about your accolades? What's your story? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The the story is pretty easy and it's quite hilarious in my mind. So I moved out here. And like I said, I was asked if I played softball and I said, yes. And they said, okay, well, you can do the youth umpiring. So I did that. And what got me going was I was poor. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I came out here just on a whim. I found a, you know, job. I think I worked at the mall and somebody said that and I was like, okay, I work at the parks and rec, earned a, a few bucks. And, you know, back then, I think it was 93. 
I don't think we were making very much money back then. <laughs> I mean, even if it was $10 a game at an hour a game, that's 10 bucks an hour. You're right. I mean, that's really good. <laughs> exactly. It was golden for me. So yeah, I was poor. <laughs> kind of got me going. Um, I realized it's a whole different ball game there when you're doing it from behind the plate mm-hmm. instead of on the field. And so I had a little bit of training, but not not too much here. I hardly... It's funny because when I was back in California, I hardly counted this time. It got my feet wet. It got me on the field. But my training really took off when I went out to California. I did some slow pitch and I, I said, hey, went to the local place and said, who assigned your slow pitch? And they told me the MOA. And that was ran through Phil Gutierrez. It should be a name everybody recognizes. Bill Gutierrez was our association director, president. He kind of took me by the shoulders. I I laugh because I tell him, I said, I don't know how you took that person that squatted behind the catcher (laughs) in my first game for him and molded me into the person I am today. So I have everything to credit to his training Chris Drum, I think he kind of assigned me to Chris Drum when I was young, younger umpire. And she kind of took me by the wing because she was also in that association. I just kind of fell into an amazing association with amazing training. And I really credit a lot of that beginning training that I was given under the ASA model there to kind of give me a a base to go on. And a lot of the people that you know, like a Sue Sawyer and a Chris Drum, Jim Sanderson. I remember Jim, we'd go to our training meetings, our annual meetings. He is just a fabulous teacher. He's a teacher in his real life and he's a teacher when it comes to the classroom and the field there. He just found a way to get it through to people. So just huge mentors I had at an early stage of my empiring. I was just blessed in that. Kind of landed there. Yeah, I met Jim Sanderson at the first kind of collegiate camp that SUP put on in Oklahoma City. And the positivity that he just exuded the whole time that he was talking, you know, the face that he had when you approached him, it was always just positive, just loved that. And it just sounds like that's the way he is all the time. And he had the game time and shine time. And, you know, coming up and learning. Mm -hmm about it, we we see something and that's what we try to emulate. We're emulating by what you see. And so what you saw was somebody squatting behind the catcher. So that's what you did and taking that to mold and <laughs> telling myself here, I started out with baseball and I am left-handed and I held my indicator in my left hand. At least I had that part, right? And I pointed strikes with my left hand. <laughs> And that's <laughs> what, that's what I did. You know, I just saw an umpire pointing and I, and I was probably watching a major league game where, um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now, but he would point strikes one way for a right-handed batter and point strikes the other way for a left-handed batter. And it would be more of a body turning and still be pointing with his right hand. But I didn't see that part. I just saw that it was out this way and out the other way. So that's what I emulated. So at least I've got out of that part. Right. But Chris drum is uh, another person that you mentioned and and teaching young umpires and getting that foundation built. What would you say that one of, or some of the biggest things that she taught you as a foundation moving forward into the USA softball world? 
I think a huge thing was presenting confidence, but not overconfident, being approachable. She's a big, I, I just worked with another female umpire and just having your voice and not being timid. I mean, I know she probably growing up through the umpire field had to kind of establish that and standing up for yourself, you know, first having the knowledge and then knowing that you have that knowledge, standing up for that. Because when it comes to going to another place, you know, across the country, across the world, you kind of have to be able to, to make that stand certain principles. We're all like that. two-edged sword, you know, the rocks rubbing together, just iron sharpening iron type of thing. I think we really have to have that voice. And I was very timid. I'm, I'm a pretty introverted person and pretty shy. And, and when she told me, Hey, I want you to take on North San Diego as UIC, I said, huh, no way. I probably told her no three times, three years in a row. I don't know. And finally I took that step was able to use my voice and teaching and giving back. But I, I really think it was her encouraging to find that voice. Don't worry. We'll train the trainer here. We'll, we'll be able to help get to where you need to be, but you need just find your voice, find that confidence and be approachable. That was a huge thing from Chris. I mean, alongside the hundreds of other things I learned from her, I would take that as a huge one. Chris Drum was my first evaluator. I didn't know her from Adam. You know, I, I, there was like all these umpires that worked in the World Series. You know, I didn't know anything any better. You know, there's Smokey, there's Chris, there's Sally, there's uh, Donna at the time was in charge. But just how she spoke and how she was able to get through, not just only to me, but to the other officials and explaining what the expectations are, what to look for, even the simplest things. And I still remember to this day, what she talked to me about was the force play at first base. And she was talking about angles. And so I just think, you know, with her vision, it was always a step ahead. And I'll never forget that. But I know from experience that a lot of officials don't know how to take that part of the country. And I hate saying that because I feel like we're separating our community of officials, but the West Coast umpires have just a different demeanor when it comes to training. And a lot of people can take offense to it, but I always took it as a challenge because they had higher expectations for how we train ourselves or how, how we present ourselves. And I always respected that. And Mindy, when you said that you talk about you're an introvert, you know, I know a lot of introvert umpires out there that are strong-willed and have that strong demeanor, that strong presence on the field that you never would have think that that's how they are off the field. So when she came to you and said, hey, I need you to be a UIC for the San Diego division. Did I say that the right city, San Diego? North San Diego, correct. When she kept asking you to take over and you finally agreed to it, how did that help you, not only on the field, but how did that help you with teaching and mentoring other officials? Oh, gosh. It actually helped me on the field as well. Um, when you have to put into words or explain to a younger umpire all the things from game management to your position on the field, when you have to put those things into words and teach somebody else, you actually learn better as well. I guess it just increases your confidence on the field. It increases, uh, I don't even know how to put it into words. 
I mean, it helps you so much when you're giving back. They'll come to you with questions and say it's something you don't know. It hasn't, you haven't come across it. You better find that out. You know, it's like, okay, well, I got, let me find that out for you. I'll get in the book. And I think that's a huge thing because I was never, I never felt like somebody would put you down like they're bigger and better. It was always a come alongside and, hey, let's, let's get you to this next level. Let's get you to where I am. Let's get you. So it was never like you're stomping on somebody and trying to keep you down. You were always trying to help somebody get to the position you were at. And I think that was huge. And teaching, that's what you're doing. You know, I need this younger umpire to get where I'm at. We need you to someday train, you know. And so I guess it just increased your confidence. It increased uh, your knowledge on the field because you'd have to look up stuff. You'd have to know certain things. You'd do your research like Tony you do in your videos. I mean, we would be sitting for hours getting presentations ready on conference calls with our other UICs to be ready for our training. I mean, we spent countless hours and it was pretty much, we, I would say, would have maybe a month break before we'd have our annual meeting where our UICs and we'd all collaborate on how things went. We talk about umpires and where they're at and how we can get them to level. I mean, we maybe had one month in there from the time our summer season ended with our USA fall, our next training. And then from then on, we were, we were getting ready for all our clinics, which we, we had pretty much five clinics. We've now reduced them down to three out there. But I mean, we spent hours in our training sessions trying to prepare and teach for our um, groups north san diego it's so crazy to think about how much training does go into it i think that's what other people may not realize that aren't in the umpire world is that the training and the time that we put into it we're not just going out there and being a weekend warrior and being thrown to the wolves at a high level of competition we're putting training in and we're putting that time into teaching new people and your kid may be playing at a 10 and under, maybe playing at an 8 and under, and you have a younger umpire. And there may be somebody watching that you don't even know that is their trainer that's teaching them how to do it. And just like your athlete on the field is learning how to play, so is that official that's on the field. Whether it's softball, whether it's baseball, whether it's on the basketball court. I know one of my other friends that does basketball, he was on the court with a 13-year-old teaching them how to referee basketball and some fans were just going crazy and he stopped the game, called a timeout and called an official timeout. He goes, just like your kid double dribbled last time down the court, he is learning how to call the game. So let's calm down and all learn together. And maybe we can all learn something about how to teach somebody to play basketball and how to officiate basketball as well. And I know that's made me a better umpire is teaching somebody else how to do it, how to get in and study, how to break down film. It makes you watch the game, learn the game differently so that I can explain it. And now you have somebody asking question that takes interest in the rules and calling them correctly. Now when the coach comes out and they have an argument, you can explain that rule to them so much different than you would if you hadn't taken that time to try to teach somebody else about that rule. And I'm looking at right now at USA softball socal.com mm -hmm. and on the umpires page there's a picture of mindy vila training some <laughs> umpires 
I thought it was funny when I pulled it up and th- and there you are. Just cool to see in, in the world that we're in and the connections that you have at the level of NCAA and how it moves over into USA softball and how those worlds kind of combine. You go to the JL Cup and when Donna was at the top of the NCAA, she was there. Sally Walker is there. Chris Drum goes to it. I did the 18 golds. We were there together and Chris Drum was there. And then you have your Texas people. Steve McCowan was there. The national coordinator, Kevin Ryan is there. And just those names. And if you don't know, Kevin Ryan talks to Sally. Kevin Ryan talks to Chris Drum. They all communicate. And how are they doing on the USA softball? And how can we make them a better umpire in USA softball? So we can get them into the Division I NCAA atmosphere and then bring them back and help train those next up-and-coming umpires as well. So here is Mindy Vila doing USA softball. How does one get from that to WBSC? A lot of time, a lot of games, (laughs) a lot of training. (laughs) Actually, I had no idea. I had no goals of really becoming coming into the WBSC I was kind of the person just keep your head down do what you're supposed to be doing look the part know your stuff and emulate that onto the field I would say it would be a Chris it would be a Jim it would be uh, all these people had these goals in mind for me (laughs) to kind of help me Mm -hmm. get there and basically I was told you know when you had a national You had to get your elite first. So when you had a national, you had to be ready. You had to um, get your excellent rating or your high ratings on those tournaments to get your elite. And then you just continued through the process. I just figured, hey, I'll go to a national. I never turned anything down. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I'll do it. If you want me Mm -hmm. to go, absolutely. And so I think just the preparedness that uh, they would get you on the field as much as you could practice that three umpire. We were encouraged, just jump on the field. You know, we we're encouraged, jump on the field, learn your three umpire system, even if you had to do it for free. And being willing to do that, you're going to get all the training that you need. You're going to have those people come alongside you. You know, Laura Head also was a big key in saying, hey, we have some games out here. We have slow pitch. And that was a huge eye opener for us. Knowing how much the ball is hit in slow pitch, working a three umpire system, you're going to be rotating a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we jump on games all over the place. I drive out to work games with Sue Sawyer and Laura and all of them helped me pass my WBSC test, which was a bear. <laughs> yeah, But I think just, just the training that came along with it and putting in the time, keeping your head down. And Chris would say, before I'd go to my national, now it's up to you. Do, you, do what you're supposed to do. You know, do your part out there. I would just do what I was trained to do. I think some of that with the younger or newer officials, I should never say younger, because we do have a lot of age differences with when people start umpiring. But especially the younger generation, I will point them out. Their timetable of success is a little different than what we have gone through. I love how you pointed out, like you kept your head down, just kept moving you accepted whatever was given to you, you worked hard, you earned your spot. And what I have noticed, especially with the younger generation that's either just getting started 
into Rec Ball or USA or into the NCAA. They want instant gratification right now. And Mindy, I'm sure you have come in contact with a lot of newer officials, but what were some of the things that you would describe to them or teach them when it comes to waiting for their, their opportunities or training for their opportunities? What were some of the things that you would help them and describe to them like what the reality part is with this? Basically, I would just kind of associate myself with them. And, you know, pretty much you're humanizing yourself saying, hey, I've been there. I've been there. It's taken me a lot of years. It's taken me training. But know that if you follow this, we will get you there. We will put in the hard work if you do what we're saying. I always said, you know, don't just trust one UIC, you know, take it to the book. Or ask another UIC or somebody that you trust or a mentor that you trust um, to come alongside you to get on the field. We are in a different generation. Um, but some of my younger umpires, they came from a family that were still pursuing that hard work. I think it's hard for their culture, being around that culture of, hey, instant gratification. We're all living in it. We all kind of are susceptible to that. But some of the younger umpires that I worked with back in uh, Southern California, they seem willing to put in that time. And the problem was, is hanging on to enough of them because of, and I think Tony mentioned it, just the response from the crowd or, you know, getting belittled from a parent that is sitting in the stand instead of they were making great hard calls that would be hard for a veteran umpire to call. And they were making correct calls. I, I had one girl that actually quit for probably uh, two or three years and finally got her back, which was amazing. But I, I think it's just keeping them there and um, encouraging them that, hey, this is part of our game management. If you can handle that pressure, you are right in what you did and kind of associate with them what you have gone through. and. Uh, the steps that you take and they can just follow that kind of steps. They know that we have their back and that we're a safe space. They can come to us. And like I said, I think that's a huge thing is knowing that you're in a safe space. We're going to get you. We don't stomp on our umpires to take a position, but we want them to kind of replace us. And I think with that kind of mentality, business or umpiring, I think it's all the same. We kind of have to have that caring for another individual, which is kind of hard these days. Mm -hmm. Kind of the examples that we're seeing out there. I think the majority of people are good. Yeah, I think we're just getting inundated with some of the negative, unfortunately. But for the most part, these kids can, can see that in you when you relate to them. And I think you mentioned a little bit about it, about being a female umpire. And I can't relate to that part, but I know Liz has talked about it a little bit of having to set a different precedent, having to be a little bit better than maybe that male umpire because they expect something different out of you and just pushing you harder. And the training that you do for a new umpire and say you've been in the game for 10 years, you and myself, and I know the people that are around that, when that umpire gets to their 10th year, we want them to be a better umpire at 10 years than we were at 10 years, just like we want for our kids. I want you to have a better life than what I had whenever you are grown up. 
I want you to be a better umpire than I was at 10 years. I want you to be even better when I was at 15 years. But you've got to, like Christy said, embrace the journey, enjoy the ride, take those experiences as seasoning for your career. You know, that little bit of salt and pepper that sometimes you just can't get unless, you know, you got your chicken cooking in the pan and you got to throw that seasoning inside that pan and that's that pan is our game atmosphere and sometimes that seasoning can only happen in the game but you can still get some of it outside of the game i'm really good at making a mess when i do cooking so some salt and pepper (laughs) flakes kind of fall outside the pan as well so (laughs) yeah we've seen your daddy daughter cooking (laughs) yeah right (laughs) things have kind of gotten a little bit back to normal so that's been kind of hard to do but man you talk about a good time and the girls talk about it and the the way that the girls acted during that show with each other and the difference that they joined in with each other it was just it was great to see it was a i think they're different sisters now than they were um then before we started but mindy you guys have started a new business over here i presume we did since your husband was having a struggle with the job that he was at and the way that he was being treated Talk a little bit about starting up a new business as you start up a new quote unquote life. It was a little scary. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, so my husband had saw a dustless blasting job and it, it requires just a, a mobile piece of equipment on a trailer, a compressor, and uh, basically you're, you're sand blasting, but without sand. It's a healthier way to do it. And I said, where did he get this idea? <laughs> well, like he said, you know, it's in a market that is still kind of wide open. Not a whole lot of people were doing it. So he convinced me that he could get it done. And, you know, for the first year, it was rough. We did have some jobs here and there. Um, I'm a big believer that God will take care of us no matter what. So we'll provide our needs, maybe not necessarily all our wants. So we kind of lived. A little bit uh, conservatively the first year, but um, pretty easy to do by selling, you know, selling our house and stuff. We got, we're able to pay stuff off and a little modestly for a little bit. And now we are over a year in and he's busier than ever. Last week, he pretty much worked every day and he's on that way again this week. So we've had a few big jobs and we kind of just have to trust and have a little faith sometimes that do the right thing, be where you say you're going to be and got to have a little faith, kind of do what we did. But I, I believe that we'll be taken care of. And like I said, he had picked up a huge, some huge jobs. He actually got another huge job that he's bidding and you go through some scary times, but in the end, the move from California kind of, led us into a good position to be able to do it. So just got to jump and we were willing to work hard. And him doing that also has still allowed me to umpire. So that's a, if it wasn't the COVID year (laughs) where there's not much games, but we're still okay. And we're still, I still go out there and help him along as well. So we've made it work. No, that's really awesome. And the cost of living, it it helps out a little bit, the difference between the two, but, you know, trusting in the plan that you have set for as your family of how we're going to do this and how we're going to make it work. And 
playing it out. And I think some of that has to do with the scariness of umpiring and getting on the field where I may not be comfortable and going out and just doing it and trusting in what I've learned, my life lessons that I've had and how I'm going to take this into the real world and (laughs) make a move halfway across the country. And we've loved it. It's worked out. (laughs) Well, I am so happy that we finally got connected and that I went up into the press box and they're like, hey, there's another Division One umpire that's in Springfield. And I was like, no, there's not. And went through and followed through and, and found you. And hopefully we continue to train our umpires here. And the biggest step hurdle that we have to be is something that you mentioned before, and that's looking the part. No, we really appreciate having you, Mindy. It's been an honor to have you on here and just to get to know you a little bit more. And I, I do love like what you said about just trusting each other with you know, you and your husband. That's, that's the challenge part of the game is how our family perceives us and how we can handle ourselves on and off the field and making sure we have that support from our family. So I love hearing the success story that you guys have, have created so far. It's an honor to be on here with you guys. And man, I hope we get to work on the field again. I had a blast in Oklahoma. <laughs> oh, no kidding. That was a lot of fun. I do have to agree. I, I'm hoping we will have a season. I agree. Coming, coming Good in. gracious. Hey, if we think about it, both of us have worked with Mindy in Oklahoma this year. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's funny. No, I had a, I had well, a good time with the Oklahoma that we had as well. And Mindy got to call the very last game because we couldn't get it done on the championship game. So she had the plate on the F game. <laughs> And, uh, did I mention that part. umpire? Did <laughs> no. I mention that umpire? <laughs> Go uh. ahead. I was a third base. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> I called the, du- I called the double play in my game. So from third base. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I did get to call that very last game. Yeah. <laughs> no, we really appreciate it. And, um, we do, we would love, Maybe, you know, we get the season rocking, we can have you on and hopefully we can have another successful, we'll make sure we'll have a successful full year, not just a five week season, but but we would love to, to hear some more from you eventually. That would be great and appreciate the time that you took for us. I appreciate it. It was fun having done this with you guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mindy. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Mindy. Take care. That was a great conversation with Mindy Vila. You know, she has been an inspiration to a lot of umpires across the country from the West Coast to the the Midwest part. Tony and I had the pleasure of working with her on and, and getting to know her off the field. But before we go, Tony, I do want to give uh, a roll call to our credits and to our sponsors that we have out there. And we appreciate everything that they have done for us because we are still in creation with our website, which is going to be both sides of the mass.com. So be on the lookout for that here soon. You'll see some more updates on our Facebook page as well. We do have our Instagram and Twitter feeds, which we try to update, but you know, as, as you know, we all have lives. We all have little mini me's that are running around. We got to keep in focus, but we do want to say a special thank you to move period with destiny Robinson down in Pensacola, Florida. Please give her a shout out. Check her YouTube page and her webpage out, her Facebook page as well. She does have some great information if you're looking to continue to make yourself a better athlete on and off the field if you're training for a specific sport. Also, 
Diamond Umpire Academy with Christy and her staff. They have great development opportunities if you're looking to get your foot in the door of whether you want to better yourself an umpire with USA or USSSA softball, or you're trying to find a way to get in the collegiate level, or if you're trying to better yourself at the collegiate level, that's what they are looking for. So check them out at diamondumpireacademy.com. Also, they have two softball camps that are still available. So if you are looking to get something in to help yourself through those challenging times and trying to find that correct or that find that door that you're looking for to, to, to finally open for you to get on that field and get into the college atmosphere. They have two camps that are there to register for, which is in Gulf Shores, Alabama, which is next weekend starting on October 24th through October 25th. Craig Hyde will be there in attendance. Registration is still available on their website. Their second camp that is still available is in Melbourne, Florida. That is November 14th and November 15th. The camp is still open and that registration will be closing on November 6th. So get in there, Diamond Umpire Academy, find out which camp will be uh, specified for you and get yourself in set and ready to go. Yeah, the second one is my birthday weekend. Oh, birthday weekend. (laughs) (laughs) No, and that's good. And and check out www.bullsidesofthemass.com. And we're going to try to get the camp pages on there this weekend. We'll get them all landed out so you can see baseball, softball, basketball. And we'll kind of reach out and try to get some camps and find some camps to put on and just have a, a, a general housing for people to be able to come in and find those umpire camps. But be looking out for Christy Camps with Diamond Umpire Academy. I spoke with uh, Jim Kirk, and we're going to have Tyler on from Up Tire, and we're going to talk about some of the gear things that they got going on. He's the main person that kind of does the review on gears, and so we can talk about the ins and outs of all the little nuances of the different uh, chest protectors, shin guards, masks, different setups that you can put together, and how you can build a rig that's going to work best for you. So call in, send us a message, something like that. We are going to get together a $50 gift certificate. And those that call in and leave a voicemail, you'll be entered into winning that for umpatire.com. So Liz, you cannot call in and put your gear reviews on the voicemail line. You're exempt from it. Oh, come on. I finally got the phone number memorized at 330-552-7211. Please call in so that way you get a chance to win this right tony that's right <laughs> it'll be awesome www.bothsidesofmass.com we appreciate mindy joining us on here and just reaching out and um, talking about the umpire world and, and what's going on and how that relates to the real world and i hope you guys enjoyed it but until then be excellent be excellent